Hi, I'm David Green, and thank you for tuning in to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. One of the findings from Insight 222's recently published People Analytics trend study confirmed that in 31% of companies, People Analytics is playing an instrumental role in helping anticipate skills for the future. But how do you incorporate a skills-based approach into strategic workforce planning? What are the key challenges? Who are the key stakeholders you need to involve? How can technology help you to scale? And how do you demonstrate value? This episode of the podcast will seek to answer these questions. My guest is Alex Brown, the Head of People Analytics, Innovation and Data Science at Nestle, a global powerhouse in the food and beverage industry. Alex shares insights from Nestle's 10-year journey with strategic workforce planning, their shift towards a skills-based approach, how they've scaled this across the organization through people, process, technology, and data. And he also shares their 4B methodology, buy, build, borrow, and bot. Nestle's strategic workforce planning journey is a testament to perseverance and the continuous quest for excellence. Alex shares the insights, challenges, and strategies behind what is a powerful example of how strategic workforce planning can enable business strategy and create value. So let's get started, where Alex starts by sharing his background and path to his current role at Nestle. Alex, welcome to the show. Before we get started, can you share a little bit about your background and the journey that led you to your current role at Nestle? Yeah, firstly, David, thank you for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to to be here. I would say that uh, I'm not traditionally an analytics person, so I've not come from the traditional an- analytics roots or, or backgrounds. Uh, so maybe a good example for those out there that uh, aspiring to move through people analytics that. You can come from from a lot of different places. Before Nestle, I did varied roles. Uh, I even owned a recording studio at one time, so completely different to where we are today. But I've been at Nestle since 2010, started in IT, quickly moved across into HR, where I would say I found my home and moved through various operational roles uh, through that uh, into HR project management. And ultimately, the last few years, I would say I've been gigging in Nestle. So was, you know, Nestle gives a great opportunity to allow you to to move around. And so every 12 to 18 months, I've rotated and switched into, into different roles, predominantly around the HR transformation space. So process design, technology design, technology implementation, and continuing with the, the HR project management. So that's really the core and, and the comfort zone, if you like, that I've had uh, up until the last uh, couple of years. Amongst that, I have done some gigs in people analytics uh, in the UK and I team when when it was a, just a, a market team. Uh, and then in, in the Zone Europe team uh, with my, my colleague, Michael Cox. But in the last uh, couple of years, I rejoined into the head of people analytics for Asia, Oceania and Africa and the Middle East. So quite a, a big zone for Nestle, new experience, new adventure. But I think it was that experience, uh, all the different elements of HR that I was uh, learning along the way that allowed me to m- come across into people analytics and head up the team. It's a scary uh, experience, you know, when you've not got that strong analytics background to back you up. But I think it's also about um, the human skills that you can bring, you know, complex problem solving, uh, about collaboration, communication, and, and the other various things. So I think that really helped me to, to develop in people analytics. Uh, and from this year, 
I've moved into heading up what we call the People Analytics Innovation and Data Science team, as you mentioned, uh, which is a brand new team. So it's a, it's a global team. It's a brand new team. And it's it's something that we think is going to put us in a good position uh, to really move forward with uh, solutions and, and people analytics. What I would say as a final comment is I think that's a strength. You know, I think diverse teams, diverse people analytics teams from people coming not just from varied parts of HR, but outside of HR, I'm seeing more and more that that is really driving quite successful people analytics teams. And that diversity of thought really does drive uh, productivity and, and various other things in the team. Before I dig deeper into your current your role, because I'm I'm intrigued by the the people analytics innovation data side. Can you give lead listeners a sense of you know the size of Nestle? Because it's a it's a very large organisation in terms of number of employees and markets that you serve as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean we're we're significant in size in the in the region of uh, depending how you count who you count uh, two hundred and seventy thousand employees. Um, across most countries uh, in the world. We quite a small people analytics team in comparison to the size of Nestle overall, but we do operate uh, a global people analytics team that I'm part of, and then um, zone hubs within each of the five zones. So we split across five different zones uh, globally, roughly a, a, an equal headcount amongst most of those uh, those zones. Yeah, I remember. I remember coming to a session that um, way before the pandemic. I think the whole team were together in in London. This must be going back to 2019 now, and you know, and and the energy you'll see coming from different parts of the world. That you know, and obviously, it's so important, isn't it? Because you have to be close to the business that's going on um, in there, particularly if in a kind of consulting facing role uh, to understand the challenges, the local challenges. But then, obviously, you're that global hub to to kind of give you. Give those give you those economies of scale, but also to the the consistency as well, which I think is which is, is important. And and obviously for workforce planning, you know, as that size organisation, you know, it's it's a it's a really important topic. And I know we're gonna we're gonna dive into that in a minute. But Alex, before we do that, um, I, I I love the title head of people analytics, innovation, and data <laughs> science. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and and maybe what your biggest priorities are at the moment? No, absolutely. So. I think from the Insight 2 to 2 operating model, you know, this would largely be the product engine and the data engine as you as you have that described. So think of it that way. But really for us, it's a central team, much like a center of expertise that's driving global solutions, global methodology uh, across people analytics, both on the buy and the build. So it's really, you know, how do we scale the products that we have in people analytics? And this is across business intelligence, data science, and strategic workforce planning from a, a global method perspective. So how do we productize solutions, data products? How do we scale them across the business? How do we create that shared value was really the key thing behind the team. So we've, we've had data science, we've driven SWP in the past, but it was very much from each of the, the individual zone teams and the small, smaller components within, within the business. And that was working. But we, we felt there was an opportunity to move faster, to, to be more effective, to have greater impact. And therefore, we've centralized it and we're going to see see how that goes. And, you know, we really there in terms of the, the data science side is to design, to build, to deploy those models, those data products that, that are based on data science uh, techniques to automate, to predict, to help prescribe successful outcomes for the business. So really... Data for us is at the center, is core, and how do we harness the value? 
How do we drive those data assets? Uh, how do we create a people analytics ecosystem uh, around that data for the different contextual views, the different personas that we may be supporting? So we very much as a team face into our internal colleagues and our people analytics colleagues. How do we enable them? How do we make them successful so they can help their customers? But also directly with the, I say customers and internal customer, you know, uh, whether that's HR, whether that's the business, but how do we face into them directly as well uh, with some of the products and make them the best products we can, deliver the best experiences we, we can. And from a strategic workforce planning perspective, I'm responsible or, and my team responsible for the global methodology. So that's the process, the tools, the design. And we're very much responsible for the constant adaption, the iteration of that process. How do we make it better? Uh, how do we make it quicker? In particular, how do we automate? You know, it's quite a manual time-consuming process for us. Uh, how do we really automate and improve that and deliver best practice? And ultimately, impact and value. Everything we do comes back to impact and value. This podcast episode is brought to you by Equate, the strategic workforce planning technology that helps you plan for the workforce you need tomorrow, today. Discover the power of your people. Ensure you have the right workforce to meet your purpose. Extend the power to plan to every corner of your organization. Learn more at equate.ai forward slash insight 222. That's EQ, the number eight, dot AI forward slash I-N-S-I-G-H-T, the number two, the number two, the number two. So focusing on, on workforce planning or strategic workforce planning, um, how long has Nestle been focusing on, on this? Yeah, so it's a, it's a topic, an area, subject I'm, I'm very uh, passionate about, uh, heavily involved in, uh, as you know, David. Um, we've been working on workforce planning, strategic workforce planning since 2014, and, and probably variations before that, uh, to be honest. So we, we had a great core, a great foundation, already in the business. We've had some some great practitioners and thought leaders uh, through the business uh, that you know that uh, that have added a lot of value in terms of that core component for, for workforce planning, what that should look like, how we should deliver supply, demand in the business and so on. And we've largely focused that on uh, individual business units, markets and countries. So you could say, you know, if it's working well and you're happy with it, you know, why, why change it? Um, you know, and, and whilst it was good, we did find there was a, there's a couple of triggers within, within Nestle that, that made us think about how we might want to review, adjust and evolve our strategic workforce planning design. And, and in all honesty, you know, it's an annual process now. So very much every year, what have we learned? What would we do differently? What can we improve? What can we change? Uh, and we go again. And, and, and I don't see that changing, quite honestly. I, I, I think that will be the theme to come probably for, for every year uh, for the foreseeable future. But those two triggers uh, that really made us review our strategic workforce planning and make it what it is today was a couple of years ago. So, so when, I joined, uh, when I joined back into Peep Analytics, whilst it was working at that more granular market country level, I would say we had 
uh, a reduced impact, a, a dip in perceived value at that more senior strategic level, the higher levels, let's say, within our very, as you mentioned, our very complex structure uh, that we have at, at Nestle. So it was working with the markets, you know, maybe delivering the insights, but what we were seeing is it stayed isolated within that bubble, if you like. You know, there wasn't really a lot of impact outside of that. So you know, that was the the first thing. What did that lead to? That led to some challenges with less investment in workforce planning. A lack of impact meant maybe a lack of, of that perceived value, as I mentioned. But also what we found with having it quite granular and at that mar- singularly at that market level was almost allowing too many different scopes, allowing too many different methods. So whilst we had a, a way to approach SWP, it was very much allowing markets to do different things in different ways. And therefore, actually, if we did want to roll that up, if we did want to consolidate some of that into a bigger picture, that more macro level view is a really, uh, it was a real struggle, uh, to be honest. So that was was part one was, was, was maybe the reduced value. The second part, I would say, the second trigger would be what we've all experienced, you know, this disruption, this change, uh, what we're seeing in terms of the workforce changing, the workplace changing, the work changing. I think everybody is experiencing that. I, I don't think Nestle is, is any different to any other business. That high demand for critical and key talent across all industries and start to see people move across industries that maybe wasn't there in the past is now a new dynamic, which is a, a new challenge to overcome. Technology, of course, you know, is, is we're seeing that already with generative AI as an immediate impact, but I think we'll continue to see more and more of this. And of course, as the more we automate, the more we bring technology uh, into into the workplace, the more it takes on the same characteristics as technology does, as digital does, you know, it, 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 exponential growth in, in the capabilities of, of that technology. We're seeing the changes in where and how people work this hybrid, flexible working, you're not necessarily in the office nine to five, Monday to Friday, the new employment models and the flexible staffing, uh, the gig economy, which I talked about, you know, which not all of these are, you know, necessarily challenges and remaining as challenges. They also open up opportunities. So it's not necessarily that they're all negative, but they certainly have an impact in terms of how we workforce plan or what our workforce plan should look like, how we incorporate these concepts into our our thinking, our planning, and ultimately our, our action taking at the end of it. Uh, the growth of the internal talent marketplace, uh, very topical uh, at the moment. And ultimately what I see from a lot of this is that unbundling of jobs into tasks and skills. And then how do we match those skills into the work that we do? How do we utilize those skills? So we've had very good strategic workforce planning, but we I've seen these two triggers in the last couple of years. We've decided to continue to evolve our design and develop our design. And that's part of that iterative best practice approach that my team will be will be leading going forward. No, that's really good, actually. Thanks for, th- thanks for laying it out like that. I think it's, it's disruptive. Good or bad, it's disruptive. You know, technology, automation, you know, shrinking labor markets, uh, demographics in in the G7 countries, you know, all those sorts of factors really add to the mix. Employee employee expectations are maybe different to what they were a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, a few years ago. They're probably different to a few weeks ago, but definitely different to a few <laughs> well, weeks Well, it could change that quick, David. Yeah, you, 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 you never know. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to say, I've heard it described as um, going from 
episodic transformation to continuous transformation, it does seem that that's the case. And then you continuously need to be doing workforce planning to to adjust and and plan for different scenarios and, and everything else. And so I know we get it. What was really interesting, um, Alex, is oh, all of it was interesting, but the first point you mentioned that you believe that your previous way you've been doing workforce planning at, at Nestle had dipped in value. You know, what are you doing now then to to reinvigorate it? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the first part of that is really what's our ambition, where, where we're trying to get to and there's different parts to that point, but where we're trying to get to from a strategic workforce planning perspective. So I think the first point is we we want we have the ambition to have that fully integrated, uh, that highest level of maturity on workforce planning. So as you say, transition from skill-based workforce planning across into fully integrated. What do I mean by that? That, that feed of information and data at the right time to the right people. So within HR, uh, various functions outside of HR, but more importantly, how do we drive the annual business planning activities? How is it a core component? How is it a core feature? So we're on a we're on a journey. We're on on that evolution through. But as I mentioned, you know the the dip really. I think the core was good. Technically, it was good. It was it was working. But as I described, so jumping in a little bit deeper, that what we were basically finding is with the lack of that senior stakeholder buy-in. You know the we were finding that that we weren't really, or, or the feeling that we weren't really utilizing the full value of strategic workforce planning. It, it wasn't necessarily had the visibility. It was too focused on the markets. Yes, Nestle is very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. We have different businesses, markets, zones, uh, functions at various different levels. Um, we're across, you know, different parts in terms of coffee, dairy, nutrition, confectionery. You know, we've got lots of different components of, of, our, of our business. But we felt that not only was was that something that we needed to face into, but it was an opportunity as well to take. And and the key questions I would say that we're asking ourselves to try and tackle that dip was, how can we make SWP contribute to the bigger picture? How can we help those senior leaders understand what those key risks are? And how can we help them see how SWP can drive increased chances of success for the business, for the business strategy? And I think there's a danger sometimes, you know, we... And I do it myself. You know, you stay in HR, you talk about HR, but we, we need to keep remembering to, to push back to, to the business. So for us, the first point of that was really looking at how we operated. So we had that ambition of where we wanted to get to. We had those key questions we wanted to help the business with. So what did we need to do about it? So I think the first thing for us is the way we operated before, I would describe it more of a decentralized, bottom-up approach, if you like. So working for markets, but lacking that impact above. And, and I think that's one of the challenges with with a decentralized approach, certainly from, from our perspective. But I also think that the centralized, top-down approach, where we have just a global team and they do everything for every entity, you're restricted by capacity, so therefore you, you cherry-pick. And sometimes it can be a bit disconnected, uh, it could lack action and impact at the more granular levels. It depends on the business context, but I think it depends on where the action happens, if you like. You know, where where the feet on the ground, what's actually making a difference to the business. And you need to make sure that it's it's delivering at that level as well. So for us, we needed to engage through the different um, levels of the business. So we needed a new approach, uh, but we still wanted to drive that action within the markets as well. So 
we we basically created this hybrid approach uh, between the two. So I would say, you know, not fully centralized, not fully decentralized, to trying to take the benefits of the two and bring those together. But it wasn't just about creating a hybrid approach. There we go, we're done, it'll work. I think, you know, what we probably all find is, is and, and you mentioned it near the start as one of the key skills in people analytics, I think the same applies for strategic workforce planning is stakeholder management, uh, stakeholder relationships. So bringing the hybrid approach, we also wanted to change the, the stakeholders we worked with, how we worked with the business and the sequencing of that. So how could we incorporate all those different elements and parts into uh, into our, our strategic workforce planning? How we could we consider that the, those new stakeholders and their and the stakeholders we had, and what's their reach and impact? So ultimately, what's their influence? Because uh, we've basically felt the greater the influence they had, the greater we had uh, a chance of being successful and having impact with strategic workforce planning. So back to to value and impact. But whilst we were looking at this, whilst we were sort of looking at that, uh, how we reinvigorate. We found an opportunity whilst the the global HR team was reviewing global priorities for HR. So we we tried to create that drive for change through that mechanism. So we said, okay, we need to do this, and this is the perfect time, and the external conditions are also perfect for us to be able to drive changes. Um, so how can we bring the data to the the global uh, HR leadership team, have both internal and external data? new data, new insights, and reintroduce the concept of strategic workforce planning as the tool to help the business. So we could really help them say, using this, you can understand what's happening in the business. You can forecast the impact on the business, and you can focus on the skills to be future ready. So that future work, things that you're seeing externally that you're worried about, let's try and see how that's actually going to influence and impact the business. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. What are some of the challenges that you're facing at Nestle as as you kind of progress along your uh, strategic workforce planning journey? I think... Strategic workforce planning, for most, it might seem a simple concept, but it's quite difficult. It's quite complicated. And um, yeah, I was listening to the podcast from from Alicia and, and Chris from Equate uh, that was recently published. And, and you know, they talked a lot about, you know, sort of measuring of the, the business value. And I think there's some really good, strong points there. And I, I would say from the four key challenges that I see, and, and Nestle, we're not immune from from these either, is is demonstrating value and impact as I've mentioned uh, a number of times it's not it shouldn't be a process for the sake of a process so you know it has to have business impact but that business impact is not always clear and tangible you know and that's that's something that's that's just you know true you're avoiding 
you know the worst case happening so uh you know you're not always recognized for for that success but it's got to create the foundation of of the people plan and drive action that's ultimately the the key thing and some of the things we we weren't doing in the past was that you know we maybe would stop at insights we'd hand that over to the stakeholder we'd say there you go you're done thanks david you know we're going to the next project uh, and not necessarily seeing through the action and what the the value of that action was and and the true impact on the business. So I think that's the first challenge that we all need to overcome and 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 we need to continue to to drive uh, in Nestle as well. I think generating awareness within the business and the stakeholders you're working with, you're going to have a lot of variability. Uh, it's difficult to be consistent with strategic workforce planning, I would say, in terms of different businesses or functions will have different perspectives and different views. But I think they don't know what they don't know. So so it's fine for them to help refine the focus and the approach to strategic workforce planning. But what I would say is don't let them just drive, I only want to look at this. I don't think that that is a good approach because I think you lose then some of the holistic view of what strategic workforce planning is is uh, trying to deliver uh, and how you could deliver some of those actions in a, in a more holistic and rounded way. And again, you know, I think the decentralized approach, if you're fully down that route, certainly for us, we felt that, that that would be one of the key risks. The third would be around limitations of HR to deliver strategic workforce planning. And I, and I mean that in the kindest way, you know, I'm part of HR, I've come from HR, but I think this is more around leveraging strengths, leveraging knowledge, you know, it's it's really the HR business partners in particular, you know, a lot of a lot of us will flow through HR business partners to to deliver strategic workforce planning in many businesses and they're a key partner for us uh, in Nestle. But they're stretched, especially in the current climate, you know, the the stretched, they're not always equipped to best use uh, strategic workforce planning. So I think it's how we support them, how we help them, how we facilitate the connection with the business. So it's really important not to hide behind HR. And this is one of the key things, you know, we're working on and actively trying to progress is how do we respectfully, because we don't want to undermine any of our colleagues within within HR that look after that part of the business we, we may work with, but how do we connect with the business? How do we connect with HR and how do we work together to leverage what we're doing. And the final one, the big one, skills. And skills integration. And probably the, the biggest challenge may be uh, for us at the moment. Uh, I think skills are, are critical to business success and rightly so, but but I think they pose a big challenge. I'm not sure that we all know exactly how this is going to play out. My personal view, you know, there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of ambition. I'm not certain that that's quite how we'll see it at the end um but it definitely yeah skills requires multiple teams to work together especially in hr you know you can't work in isolation there's not you know there may be one team that owns skills but they cannot deliver that skills agenda on their own you know and it may be the learning development team but they can't work in isolation and this is where uh, you know nestle we talk about the the four b's um yeah it's a talent concept it's been around before, uh, and I know we've we've heard six, eight. I think ten was the most I might have heard. Not that I can remember all the ten, but no, we're not going to go through it. Stick with this one, though. yeah. But, <laughs> but we we purposely chose four, David, and the reason being is to simplify the narrative with the business. 
we do practice the other Bs. We just don't advertise them or promote them as part of our narrative necessarily. So the four Bs, build, buy, borrow, bot. And we kept it really simple. Very, very quickly, we found our business leaders uh, reflecting that language back to us. So we'd not had that previously. Within a few weeks of starting that dialogue, that narrative, if you like, bringing that concept in, they were saying it in their descriptions back to us. Okay, yeah, this is, I need to start building over here, you know. Not that it was new alien words that people analytics had made up, but just in the context and how it was being positioned, you know, it was it was new. So what skills do we need? When? But in which roles? You know, skills do not exist as a standalone entity. They, they belong to, to people that sit in roles. How do we see which employees have the skills today, which don't? What skills do they need in the future and what learning journeys do we need to provide to get them there? How do we leverage talent marketplace and connect that into to this ecosystem and way of working and use that to develop skills, to develop talent, but more importantly, to identify new talent pipelines that were not visible before. So it may be that, you know, I have a set of skills that are not core to what I do today, not part of my key role, but I can grow those skills and maybe I become new talent for your team you know, that you had no visibility or any idea that I was there. And you may then go to buy externally, which typically is one of the more expensive routes. You know, we can negate that through talent marketplace and, and, and through developing the talent. Even with buying, you know, in this ecosystem of skills, what are the skills we, we need in the future? And are we buying those skills, you know, making sure that we're not still hiring for the skills of yesterday, but, you know, we're hiring for, for the skills of tomorrow. But as part of that skills pieces and all of those components, you've got to be talking the same skills language. What what won't work, in my opinion, is if across those different platforms and processes, you're calling the same skill a different name. Because then all of a sudden, as, a, as an employee, well, if I go to Talent Marketplace and it, it is labeled differently to my learning experience platform, are they the same thing? Are they different? You know, I'm confused. You have lost engagement. All of a sudden, we've we've lost traction. So, I think those are the the key challenges around skills: is how do we integrate it across all the processes, the platforms, the technologies, uh, and how do we influence uh, outside of HR into planning cycles and into the business again with those skills um, and the impact of what skills we might need. Continue on the subject of of technology, I guess. For for many organizations, you know, manning the right managing the rise of digital workers and automation is becoming a critical issue. I guess that's the the bot element that you, you talked about. How how are you preparing for this digital workforce transformation at, at Nestle? Yeah, I mean it's um technology, you know, we all know about technology, but we see more and more sort of influence and impacts from technology in, in lots of different ways. I think from a strategic workforce planning perspective, we need to consider the technology impact in, in, in a few dimensions. So the first is when we're demand planning, incorporating those digital transformation programs into that uh, forecasting uh, horizon and into the demand changes that, that maybe have been uh, already sort of pre-agreed and, and validated, but also being able to scenario plan with any uh, potential future transformations and new things um, the business might want to do. And of course, with scenario planning, you know, you may look at say more aggressive application. Um, you may look at less aggressive application, and then typically you may land somewhere in the middle uh, with the most likely. But technology 
has a big part to play in, in the future of work in terms of driving that increased effectiveness and efficiency, driving productivity. But adding, you know, sometimes people are worried about that and I understand that, but also I think we can look at it as driving value in terms of removing the mundane tasks, potentially the repetitive low value activities and tasks and making jobs more attractive, making you more effective, removing the things that really slow you down and also generating new opportunities uh, for employees in the business, you know, new opportunities to learn new skills, new opportunities to move into different career paths that maybe were never never there before and brand new roles that never existed before that technology uh, you know may have been uh, implemented but with technology comes data lots of data you know so how do you how do you manage and harness that data uh, process it drive increased value from that uh, additional data but i think the main thing uh, that we need to think about and th- and i would say this is a, a general statement is what's the impact on our people managers through the application of technology? And I think this can sometimes be overlooked. You know, the digital worker I see very much, you know, could be part of the team, much like where we work with with colleagues and employees that are part of our teams. You know, we're going to have to hire, train, transfer, and probably, you know, uh, fire digital workers at some point in the future. And are our people leaders ready for this? Do they have the skills that they need to do that? Do they have the knowledge to even understand what that might look like and how to to best apply that? And and do they know? Do we know what success looks like uh, in that in that transformation journey and in their role in order of delivering that? So I I think yeah, technology's got a big part to play, but I, I think it's multidimensional uh, in terms of its impact. No, 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 really good, and you know, and I, I guess it's a key part of workforce planning, isn't it? Understanding the impact of technology and automation on different tasks. How much of a role is going to be potentially automated? When? What does that mean for the the role? What does that mean about new skills that we might need? Yeah, it's as we said, strategic workforce planning is not simple. So on that on that respect, we talked a little bit about skills, but in terms of thinking about HR and business leaders themselves, you know, in your experience, you know, what are the key skills that you think will be crucial for HR and business leaders in the future, given the the evolving workforce landscape uh, we, we've been talking about? You know, I think understanding how leadership and people leaders will impact um, our business initiatives, you know, how they deliver the, the business success. I would also almost describe them as a multiplier. You know, they'll either accelerate and amplify what we're trying to achieve or they'll reduce and derail. So we can come up with all the best plans through strategic workforce planning linked to business strategy. But if the reality on the ground is that that's not translating and that's not driving through and you know, HR can't do it alone, it, it takes the full business to deliver, then you know that's that's going to be a challenge. So I think probably a core skill, maybe a, a, an overall capability or a mindset change for business leaders and, and HR is, is to switch from what I would class as from me to we, you know, so moving away from that individual contribution to how do we focus on a partnership, a collaboration on win-win opportunities to drive um, business growth and employee engagement. Um, how do we, as business leaders in HR, support the individual's uh, career development with within our business and drive those opportunities through talent marketplace and learning opportunities? How does everyone have the opportunity to be ready for that, to understand what that looks like and to enable that you know i think very much our business leaders 
it shouldn't just be a talent marketplace arrives as another piece of technology, but actually, why does this drive value for me? How can I best use this? And how can it make me, my team, my department, my area successful? And ultimately then, what support and investment do we need to provide into our people leaders in HR in order to achieve that? So I think for people leaders, we've talked through this podcast already, I think development of leadership skills. I think the leaders of the future, uh, you know, are, are very much going to need uh, different skills and probably largely human skills, you know, listening, collaboration, influencing, problem solving. There's going to be growth in digital and data literacies. How do we prepare for that? How do we get ready for that? And these leaders and HR teams, you know, we're, we're all managing multi-generational workforce and we've got the you know, rise of the digital worker that we've talked about before. So, you know, it's, it's very complex. I think those are the kinds of skills that we need to develop. And ultimately, I think, you know, sometimes I don't like to use the word agile too much now because it's maybe overused, but, you know, I, I think we need to prepare our business and ourselves in HR to, to be ready for the uncomfortable, you know, to be, for it to be unpredictable, and but to be okay with that uh, and to be able to con- constantly adapt and change uh, to those dynamics. It's, it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, time for us uh, to be in, in HR and in business, frankly. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I can't believe we've already reached pretty much the, the end of the episode, Alex, but there is time still for the question of the series. And, and you may be, a, this may be a good opportunity for you to summarize some of the, the points that you've made, I guess, because we've been talking about this in, in many respects. So the question of the series is, what is the role of HR in helping companies plan effectively for the future of work? No, it's a great it's a great question. I mean, the future of work is here. I think HR needs to step up to a certain degree, you know, if it's not done so already, but it needs to be a co-pilot for the business. It needs to understand the direction, the challenges of the business, what the success looks like, what risks the business is facing. But I think more importantly, and and, and you, you mentioned this earlier, is elevating beyond service delivery, which HR is typically seen as as doing to being value delivery and that trusted strategic partner. I think you mentioned that before. And I think that's critical in terms of what we do. And as part of that is, how do we align on the vision with our leaders for the future workforce? You know, this is not for HR, it's for the business. And the business driving in collaboration, in partnership with HR, what's the size and composition of workforce I need? What support is needed for the future processes, the technology, the data transformations that the business will bring in? How do we identify and plan for the external, internal factors uh, and build the future-ready workforce with the right skills? It's SWP. You know, strategic workforce planning is what is going to make a big difference, I think, for HR and the business uh, and support a lot of the future of work. Um, but it's important that it's not a once every three or five year cycle, you know, it's embedded day to day and HR and the business regularly monitor, touch base, see where they're progressing, see what's working, see what's not working and course correct, reset the baseline if needed, readjust the forecasts, change the scenario if they need to. But it needs to be an always on agile, dare I say, approach um, in order to realize that business success. Uh, so for me, yeah, workforce planning and HR being the co-pilot uh, are the key things uh, going forward. Frey, we come to the end of the, our conversation, Alex. Thank you so much for, for joining me and, and sharing your, you know, the, the, the journey of 
strategic workforce planning at Nestle. I know it's going to inspire, I think, a lot of listeners um, this episode. Before we go, can you let listeners know how they can get in touch with you, follow you on social media, if you do social media, uh, and find out more about what you're doing at Nestle? Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to, to be with you, David, and and um, well done for, for putting up with me for an hour. But uh, no, absolutely. LinkedIn, of course, is the, the place to find me. So uh, Alex Brown, Nestle, if you search for that, uh, Brown with an E, uh, you'll be able to to find me uh, on LinkedIn and uh, and follow uh, follow what we're doing. That's brilliant. Well, from brown to green, there we are. <laughs> so we are it's been a colourful episode. There we are. God, I'm coming out of all the dad jokes today. Alex, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, um, and I look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. Thanks, David. That's all for this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast with Alex Brown on the journey of strategic workforce planning at Nestle. I hope you found this conversation as engaging and enlightening as I did. If you did enjoy this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating on your preferred podcast streaming channel so that we can keep producing the show. For more from us at Insight222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. That's all for now. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Until then, take care and stay well.